Happy Sunday. Good morning. <laughs> I hope you guys had a wonderful week last week. Although I think it really was kind of up in the air. You know, um, with everything that's happening, you really have to just take things one day at a time. Or one week at a time. One something at a time. It's a lot happening at once and I just feel... Whew, I'm a little tired. <laughs> Last week, uh, I felt a little lighter. This week, mm, not so much. Um, so, first thing first, I saw today that our Prime Minister would have apologized for the mishaps and the faux pas that would have occurred last week regarding the vaccine rollout in Trinidad and Tobago. Um, and well, listen, I'm not sure that I have too many expectations. You know, I, I wrote about it a little bit and thought about it even more. You know, my suggestion was that we have a country that is blessed to have you know event practitioners and people who mobilize large moving um, activations every year that move thousands of people that are able to successfully manage services to allow people to do do a lot to do a lot of things i think that the vaccine drive can definitely benefit from you know our event practitioners there are so many people who are skilled in logistics in customer service care in so many things um, and we have the opportunity to use those people through their volunteerism we have an opportunity to use those people through many other means, whether we're hiring them, whether we, I don't know. It is my opinion that there are people within this country who are willing to do the work. And um, we really just need to do better in terms of just, oh gosh, use what's at our disposal. You know, this perception that Trinidad and Tobago is a banana stand and we can't do anything and whatever, whatever. Guys, you all know that's not the truth. We are capable of anything and everything we've been able to do over the years. Small as we may be, you know, we are mighty. We are brilliant. We are capable. And I don't know, I wonder sometimes why we take that for granted, you know? So anyway... I saw that um, the Prime Minister apologized for the issues that we encountered and man, I loved the fact that dude just stood up with his team and said, you know what, if I didn't have the confidence of this particular person, we wouldn't be here. And while we're here, this is the case and I humbly apologize. Please allow us to make amends. Please allow us to do better. And I just found that to be so refreshing. You know, see what you want. <laughs> I, I do know that we've had another leader to ever do that here. To ever apologize. Unreservedly, you know. Um, of course, 
True to form, our opposition will have responded. PM is lying to the nation. Ay, ay, ay. And I wonder sometimes as well, are these people reading the room? <laughs> Where are the plans? Okay, it's been a year of consistent criticism. You know, growing up, doing social studies, we would have been taught that the opposition is essentially a watchdog. They are there to mind the business of the government to make sure that they don't do anything they're not supposed to do. And yet, <laughs> I feel like our standard oppositional behavior in Trinidad and Tobago is one of... Let's, let's just criticize them for criticizing sake. <laughs> and I wonder, are we ever going to get out of that? Because this is tiring, yo. <laughs> this is really, really tiring. Where are the plans, sis? You know, I know we are saying, hey, we disagree and the government is lying, etc., etc. Cool, no problem. All right. If this is what you believe, cool. One, irrefutable facts. Please provide them. Two, what are your suggestions? Seeing that you are in opposition and that you are vying for the rule and that you believe that this is not being done properly, what are your positions on it? What are your plans on it? How can you improve the current situation? Because if you can't, I kind of feel like what you should do is shut up and let the people who are working, erroneous work as it may be, do their friggin' work. I'm saying. <sighs> Suffice it to say, there are no plans. But we'll all agree that I may be biased. <laughs> I may be biased. I may think that the opposition really and truly just is a waste of time. A fart in a gale of wind, according to my mother. So, there's that. And while I'm talking about that, I happened to come across an article a little earlier, um, a little after midnight, where someone I know um, spoke about his issue with COVID-19. Um, this person, someone I've worked with for some time and really, really great guy who happened to lose two of his close relatives last week when they all contracted COVID-19. So he gave a an interview in a newspaper saying that COVID-19 vaccine is what saved his life because he did contract COVID-19 and because of his high comorbidity rate, um, he really did not expect to make it much like his sister and her husband had passed. And, you know, his story really is very harrowing and Gosh, I'm just so glad that you made it out on the other side. Um, but he posted his story. It's in the Trinidad Guardian today. 
and I'm looking through his comments or whatever. And one of these morons commented, oh, the vaccine helped you live? But where did that come from? The man stated, you know, I believe that helped me because such and such, X, Y, Z. This person responds, oh, but many other people who took the vaccine died. He said, okay, I, I get that, but I didn't. Based on my comorbidities, I did not expect to live just like this person, this person, this other person I know has died who did not take the vaccine. And I wonder, I wonder about the fucking goal, the unmitigated goal of some of you. If someone has a position based on their experience, where do you people get off questioning them about what happened because you don't believe in something? How fair is that? I mean, is it that you'll just get off on annoying everybody to death about your opinion, about whatever? Granted, I myself have my, my reservations about the COVID-19 vaccine. I've said it before. I am somebody who is in total support of vaccinations. I have every vaccination there is on the planet minus the COVID-19 vax. I believe in vaccinations. I believe they help. I believe that they are purposeful. However, the COVID-19 vaccine, in my opinion, has not been out long enough. COVID on the whole has not been in the worldwide capacity long enough to allow me to be more comfortable with the efficacy of it because there's, there have been no long-term studies. And it makes me a little uncomfortable. I like my facts. Well, kusumed. All right? I like my facts with a little experience. That said, the cases that continue to rise... The experiences that we are seeing outside of Trinidad and Tobago, people are beginning to be busy again, to go out again, to do things again. Um, we are seeing that the vaccine in itself may be effective. Those are the things that make me more comfortable. And so before I make my choice, I will continue to observe. And really, it's just a matter of making my choice in terms of which I want to take because the reality is I'm going to be vaccinated probably before the year is over because, again, I support vaccinations. I believe them to be effective. I believe them to be useful. And I believe they will help put us in a position where we may be able to get to a place where we are able to operate the way we used to be able to or as closely as possible because I tell Anolia I still feel real scornful about this thing I'll, I likely will still be wearing face shields and masks for a while because I'm really not trying to get all the cooties <laughs> you know I, I just wonder about why do we feel that we have the position or the confidence 
to criticize someone on their choice when they are clearly stating their experience. The man is alive to tell his story. And you are here bumping your gum on social media talking about, but so many other people that he didn't die. He didn't die, boo. How about you take it all the way down? How about that? It is becoming extremely tiring to watch people criticize others up, down, and all around about whether or not they should do something. And they themselves are doing nothing but just talking about it. Just talking about it. No. Ease us all the way up. Please. And thanks. Anyway, today's conversation continues in the mental health frame. Now, to be honest, I had something else in mind about today. But a couple of things happened this week that I really wanted to talk about because one, they affected me personally. Two, I think it's so important for us to really, really decide and be a lot more intentional about how we approach mental health. But... Before I get there, you all know the drill. (laughs) I want to go over today's word of the day. Today's word of the day is ravelment. Yes, I said it. Ravelment. It is a noun and it means entanglement or confusion. Let me give you a quote. This jagged shard of American history has become a ravelment of an election, a tangle of confusion and complexity. Francis X. Klein's The Latest Stop on a Wild Ride, The Ballot Box Again, New York Times, December 10th, 2000. Ravelment, entanglement or confusion. For instance, this entire vaccine situation (laughs) has become a ravelment a national one at that so find a way to use it in your vocabulary this week find a way to chuck this word somewhere in there i think it you know you may find the context somewhere this week of course because trinidad and tobago find a way to use it and as i say tobago blink that joke, quote-unquote joke, guys, we must do better. It is 2021. Stupid jokes about your countrymen, about blackness, and let's, let's be fair, that's what it was about. About blackness, it's, it's not cool. You can't go around saying things like somebody has a Tobago face and laugh ha 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 and think that it's funny. It's not. What what does that even mean? How can you say something like that to somebody? It's not okay to, to juxtaposition attractiveness with Africanness. I don't know if you'll get what I mean, but I feel like I'm being clear when I say 
there are certain things you cannot say without drawing from the position that one, you don't quite understand what you're talking about. Two, that your intention is to denigrate and deride. We can't, we can't continue to do this. It's not okay. And I get it. Many have the position of, it's just a joke. And Americans do it all the time. And whatever the case is. We are not Americans. Okay? And it's time that we get used to the fact that, that European standards of beauty are just that. We are not Europeans. We never have been. We never will be. Accept that who you are is beautiful. Okay? So, interesting thing happened to me this week. I am in bed and I get a call to talk to my son from his dad. I talked to him, which was kind of weird because I already was talking to him via another platform. So I couldn't understand the call. It just felt very strange to me. And so I said, well, hey, what's, what's up? Why, why did I get this call? What's going on? Because I was already talking to him. And I was told after much prodding, um, this is just my way. I said, okay, just my way. What are you talking about? Now, you all know me. <laughs> I tend to get very cut and dry, especially when dealing with this particular person because sometimes, you know, any bit of softness can lead to uh, wanting to take advantage or turning a situation from a regular conversation into an emotional one or an argument and to be frank that just is not the place that I am in in my, in my life anymore um, I don't want to hear any of that so I've kept myself very very shielded from any conversation that may compromise um, the quality of a conversation anyhow to, to sum it up um, the person, I guess you can tell who it is, obviously, um, was drunk, <laughs> as usual. Um, so two things had to happen. One, I had to say, well, you know, what the hell? One, are you drunk? Why are you drunk? Um, you know, it's in the middle of the week. My son is with you. You shouldn't be drunk. Where is your mother? Are you home with her? What's going on? He was home with her. I called his mother. I said, you know, you all need to do better. Why is this still happening? You know, my son should not be there. And of course, it's curfew. It's now about 8.45 p.m. There's no way I can leave where I am to get there in time to get my son home. So I'm racked with guilt. I am frustrated and quite frankly annoyed, not just at the situation, but the content of the conversation. Because, you know, he sought to say that he misses me still and he just wanted to hear my voice and that type of stuff. And I was like, yo, oh my God. 
And I felt like reaching out to his friends, you know, the people I knew who were still friends with him to say, listen, you all need to talk to your friend. You all need to work with him on this. And then I remembered that I did that. I did that years ago. Um, I reached out to friends and I said, you all need to talk to your friend. He's drinking too much. Um, you need to do this because this and this is happening. And... When, when you reach out with that type of information, what tends to happen is, of course, people just assume that you are being too much. Or that, um, I don't know, you, you all fall out, so you must be, I don't know, biased in, in your opinion or whatever the case is. Or maybe that they just don't know how to speak to the person. Or they don't know how to address it because at the end of the day, when it comes to dealing with these types of things, mental illnesses and the like, um, if we are to be fair, we are not a culture or don't have many people within that culture who are able to openly, transparently, honestly deal with situations in that regard. They kind of feel like, you know, they don't want to ruin their friendships or they don't want to cause any trouble but yo if you don't deal with it it gets to a situation that becomes untenable and that is what consistently happens and has continued to happen over time that six years later I'm getting a call about missing you or whatever the case is now don't get me wrong I'm not trying to be inhumane I'm not trying to be brash and this is not a gripe about my ex what this is is I see that there is a continued one exposure of my son to somebody who I think may not be able to completely handle themselves mentally I worry about it every day because I worry that do I continue to expose my son to this one two where is my support otherwise because the support is barely there to be fair so, if I were to remove him from the situation, what does he lose? Does he lose a relationship with his dad, with his grandmother? How am I going to manage it? Because then I'm going to have to find a sitter. Um, it really is just a bit tough. And it kind of falls in line with the discussion about single mothers that was happening a week or two ago especially when it comes to having support and having people around who you can trust with your children or simply people who you can trust <laughs> period a few days later someone reached out to me and said hey listen I know you got the call the other night and you were really annoyed by it because, of course, you know, I reached out to a couple of my girlfriends and said, look, 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 that is shit. <laughs> what is going on? And they would have said, you know, uh, I don't want to tell you this because I feel like you, you're usually asked to just not see or be exposed to those things. But this is what's going on. This person is now on their social media asking openly for help with their mental illness and I said oh good for him 
and maybe that wasn't the response a couple of these people were looking for um because you know i started to be questioned like you know well have you spoken to him about it and that kind of thing and no i haven't i haven't i probably never will because i did that for a long time i did that for let's say six out of the eight years that i was with the person when i started to see traces of it when i started to see the behavior when i started to experience the alcoholism and while you know i'm always told kill i don't know how you went through all of that and that kind of stuff One, it's not a compliment. It doesn't feel like a compliment to me. It doesn't make me feel any stronger. It doesn't make me feel any more accomplished or any less anything as a person, as a mother, as a person in a relationship. All it did was make me feel frustrated because... You don't have to just think for yourself. You have to think for the other person too. For all the people involved. Because one, you don't want to embarrass them. You don't want people to know that they're going through something. It's so funny. Up to recent time, I still get calls and and, and people reaching out to me after years and saying, Girl, you know, I saw this person... Um, drunk at a bar the other day and I thought of you and I wondered you know how you were going through this all the time because I had been seeing it all the time in the years before I left and I was wondering well were you okay with this behavior of course I wasn't but there's only so much I could have done you know and I wanted to just I wanted to just assure someone who was going through this situation, who is in a relationship with somebody who's an alcoholic or going through mental illness, experiencing a mental illness and, and having a challenge with it. And I, I, this is not a, a conversation to denigrate people with mental illnesses, as I said. But for people who are going through it, it's tough to be a partner and experience it especially if they are simply just not seeing your point they're simply not seeing that listen they can do things differently because they're not in a position to it really was a challenge having to live through that that's the truth and i will say that years later i'm no longer bitter about it but i do worry i do worry for my son i have to say it's on my mind a lot, every day. I called my son's grandmother after the call and I said, you know, do you know he's still drinking? And she said, well, yes, it's here he lives in. So, yeah, I know, I know. I said, okay, but, you know, what are you all doing about it? At this point, I have to call just to help myself be more comfortable with what I'm being told because, as I said, we're under a state of emergency. I can't pick up and go get my child. And 
I can't concentrate. I'm flustered. I'm frustrated. I spoke to my son and said, hey, bedtime. Go directly to bed. Go to sleep. Because I figured if he's in, a, in bed sleeping, he doesn't have to deal with anybody. I worry about the exposure, the long-term effects of these things being on him, considering he might be a very sweet boy now. But the same way his dad was probably a very sweet boy back then. Something would have happened to trigger this particular behavior. In this case, it appears to be genetic. I do not want that to be him. I do not want that to be my son. And unfortunately, when it comes to the genetic lottery, there are no guarantees that he got everything from me. I'm, I, I'm in no way perfect. So I really can't even say, well, all right, <laughs> he got everything from me. He'll be fine. I'm not fine. Because I had to make decisions based on these things. Having to make decisions based on these particular things. Having to deal with someone that you love. Um, being mentally ill. Having an addiction. Those sorts of things. They really, really change you as a person. It's so funny. I saw a post from the Okwariati. You all know I like dry cartoons. Um, <laughs> I saw a post from the Okwariati talking about, you know... Essentially, the heart has um, a weight on his back. And the weight is, you know, pandemic, stress, previous trauma, pain, blah, 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 you know, an albatross. And then he stubbed his toe and totally freaked out. And the brain says, I think you're overreacting. And... Reading that, that little comic, that little joke, just really, it came, it was timed so well. Because on the heels of being called bitter <laughs> last week, um, because I ventured to have an opinion about the whole single mother situation. And even in past times, I've spoken about, you know, my dating experience, the things I've been through, things I'm interested in, things that... Um, I no longer want to, to talk about or um, deal with because this has been my experience. I've had a negative experience with it or whatever. Um, you're told a lot of times that you're bitter. And what I think people don't take into consideration is exactly that. That people who are quote-unquote bitter or harboring some ill will toward a person or a circumstance is likely because of their experience with the matter. And I've found that a lot of people who've not experienced it tend to have the loudest opinions about whether or not it is a valid circumstance. That whether or not that your feelings towards this are invalid. And to be frank, it's unfair. It's unfair to expect that everybody is rowing in this boat and whether or not their paddle is dry rot or bitten up by sharks or whatever the case is that you are operating on the same plane 
as somebody else who's who's operating under shelter who's gotten water to drink whose oar is fantastic or has a motor on their side of the boat we are not all operating from the same place and this conversation around bitterness i think really needs to stop because yes there are circumstances where people are bitter but there are also circumstances where people are having a hard time because they've been through a lot of shit a lot of it i have been through a lot of shit and it's not fun nor is it fair to have to answer and defend myself against being called bitter against being told that i need to get over it or i'm overreacting when things happen i think it's really unfair and i'd really like for the world to stop not just me but for everyone else who has a situation it even really calls me into a place of having to be a lot more cognizant of how i react to people going through shit because we all do it we all put ourselves in the in the person's circumstance with our privilege and then say to them you need to chill you need to get over it when you have no idea what this person is going through you have no idea what this person is struggling with i found myself looking at friends who go through mental illness or you know bad situations and dealing with a lot of stuff and being like yo you need to relax who am i to say that who am i to say to someone that they need to relax when they are experiencing within their own bodies within their own ecosystem these situations where they feel overwhelmed hurt addicted frustrated angry whatever i certainly am not in a position to judge anyone and so one i want to apologize to anybody who i would have made those statements to even if they didn't know i was making it i'm sorry i certainly wasn't in a position to judge you and um i won't anymore i won't now all that aside i think it's super important for us to be able to be able to get a couple signs when we feel like someone may be going through something to be able to identify some mental illnesses now i'm not saying go around diagnosing people that's not what i'm saying at all please don't <laughs> but we have to be able to get some signs to help the people we love if we find them going through something so there are just about five warning signs for mental illness that i want people to just be aware of one of them is excessive paranoia worry or anxiety you know you may find someone worrying about something that we may feel like yo you need to chill it's really not that big a deal calm down um you know the the ground isn't going to open up and swallow you it's not that kind of that kind of situation 
you may find that somebody is just they can't help themselves they are just going through it over and over and over again something that we may see as a simple fix two there may be long-lasting sadness or irritability i know that to be something that i definitely experienced um i definitely saw it in terms of you know they just couldn't catch themselves three extreme changes in moods you've seen it someone is going from happy-go-lucky one minute to raging with no warning four social withdrawal wanting to be by themselves not wanting to be with anyone you find that people go you know completely lock off the world and you want to know well why what's what's going on are you okay and they're like yeah i'm i'm good now there's a difference between a cleanse you know taking a little break but then there is complete social withdrawal i would say you know use your discretion be discerning about about what you see and five dramatic changes in eating or sleeping patterns i think it's super important to be able to identify those little traits the little things because you may be able to just simply say to someone hey i think something is wrong you don't seem okay how can i help just be there for them hold a hand walk them through being able to just you know lovingly guide them to a place where they may be able to get help it doesn't always work you know the way we expect it to but we could try and so I was reading a little more because I myself was wondering how do I deal with someone who has a mental illness how do I help um as you guys listened last week my friend would have said listen this is what was going on and this is the case and luckily as her friend when she found out she called me and said listen this is what i just found out and i of course have to make the preparation within my mind okay this is something we're going to have to deal with so i'm going to have to read up as much as i can on this um look at as as look at as much information as i can to be able to help her in whatever way i can and be a support as best as i can knowing that listen i am not sigmund freud you know but there is some way that i must be able to support or help this person so i was reading a little more and um got this on psychiatry.org so one of the hardest and most important steps may be just starting the conversation you do not have to be an expert or to have the answers express your concern and willingness to listen and be there for the person don't be afraid to talk about it reassure them that you care about them and are there for them use i statements for example use i am worried about you I would like you to consider talking with a counselor rather than you are or you should. I found that to be such key advice because it's really easy 
to flip that from a place of concern to a place of blame, which really can make people feel very defensive. The article goes on to say, try to show patience and caring and try not to be judgmental of their thoughts and actions. Listen, don't disregard or challenge the person's feelings. Encourage them to talk with a mental health care provider or with their primary care provider if that would be more comfortable for them. For some people, it may be helpful to compare the situation to a physical health concern and how they would respond. For example, if there was a concern about diabetes or high blood pressure, would you likely seek medical care? Remind them that seeking help is a sign of strength. And I think that's sound advice. Because at the end of the day, what you really want to do is bring your person, your friend, your family, whomever it is that you see experiencing and grappling with their mental health. You want them to be okay. And you want to remind them that you want them to be healthy and happy and thriving. And in order for those things to happen, they have to know that it is okay to seek help. Now, the article talks more about educating yourself. You know, saying, of course, the more you understand about conditions, symptoms, possible treatments, and what to expect, the better you'll be able to support your loved one. With the caveat that, of course, carefully consider the sources of information because you want to be able to support them with as much fact and with with as much care as possible. When someone, you know, has a mental illness, a lot of times, because they can't see themselves, it can come off as, you know, they, they don't even care to, to get better. And in some cases, it's true. In some cases, they are going through what they're going through. To be honest, when I saw um, the post that was made, I said to my friend, well, this person is just looking for attention in that way because that's what they do. Because that's been my experience, right? And it may be very well that they are trying to be different. But I certainly am not in a position to say so because my experience has been that, one, they've been doing what they've wanted to do for a long time. Um, Two, the behavior isn't changing. And it's difficult to... It's difficult to be able to, to come to a place of... Mm. yeah, they're trying to get better when you are consistently faced with experiences of them really not quite doing the best. So I wanted to go a little more into supporting someone who has a mental illness, right? Because we spoke before about identifying the signs. So there are just about 15 ways in which you can support someone who has a mental illness. The first one I already mentioned. One, educate yourself about the illness. Two, seek out resources. There are myriad amounts of resources online. Books you can read, articles you can download, just to be able to get some sort of guidance in terms of how you can help 
that person. Three, have realistic expectations. Your expectations can impact your loved one's recovery too. Because the reality is, when you think this person should be fine, um, the way you deal with them um, really helps determine whether or not this person can rally through. The article says, families may not realize that every time that a person has a psychotic episode, more and more neurological damage occurs. What they're saying is that we aren't talking about a static illness. Families that are trying to adjust their expectations to a moving target. So the challenge is to fine-tune these expectations all the time given the trajectory of the illness. This may change within a week, a day, even hour to hour. By using your own experience, it can be helpful. Ultimately, you'll know a whole lot more than any professional will based on your actual experience with the person. So it's important to have realistic expectations and to encourage your loved one to have them too. Four, reach out for support. Stigma can prevent families from seeking support, but it's through support that you can gain more strength and valuable knowledge. Support groups also help of, support groups also help to normalize a family's experience and better enable them to swap out ideas about managing a loved one with mental illness. Five, work, work closely with your loved one's treatment team. So if you are in a relationship or, you know, um, have a family member who may be going through a mel- mental illness, it said here, it's worth it to make a pest of yourself. It's worth it to be in the ass <laughs> every minute if you can with the psychiatrist or psychologist or counselor, whomever it is, to be ill, to be on top of it, to deal with your loved one. They're saying here that many facilities will allow families into meetings and case conferences. But ultimately, families should, ex- should ask to be included and expected. Six, let your loved one have control. People with mental illnesses feel they've lost control of their lives. They feel stigmatized and they suffer the most with self-esteem. This I can vouch for. Treat them with respect no matter how symptomatic they are. Now that's a real hard pill to swallow when you feel like someone is choosing to not do what they have to do. But there has to come a point of acceptance that this person isn't making a choice. They can't control how they feel or how they behave, not in its entirety. Seven, encourage them to talk to their mental health professional. If your loved one is complaining about the adverse side effects from a medication, encourage them to write down what bothers them and talk to their doctor. Remind your loved one that they are in control of their bodies and are active participants in their treatment. Eight, set appropriate limits. While it's important to treat your loved one with respect and allow them to exercise control, it's just as necessary to set limits for the sake of everyone's well-being. 
families don't want to step into a too much and give mandatory conditions. But at the same time, there are family members who basically say you'll do it my way or the highway in a very punitive and harsh way. This approach doesn't give the individual any option to live their life. Nine, establish quality. When setting limits and supporting a loved one, don't single them out as a sick one. Instead, establish some kind of equality of what is expected of everyone in the household. The more you can equalize the situation, the more therapeutic it is. 10. Realize that feelings of shame and guilt are normal. Know that shame and guilt are typical reactions for families, for people dealing with those people, for people who have to bolster and support those people with mental illness. Okay? 11. Recognize your loved one's courage. It takes enormous courage to return to normal life after being hospitalized and things of the like. It takes courage to, be, to battle the debilitating symptoms every day and to seek and stay in recovery. If that person is actively seeking to stay in recovery, to do better, support them. Let them know that they are strong. Remind them. Encourage them. 12. Help yourself. One of the biggest issues faced with caregivers is that they is their refusal to accept help. <laughs> I feel like this is for me. <laughs> You're in a much better position to help out and give again if you help yourself. All right? Water yourself. That's the only way you can grow. 13. Be calm. Ha! Because of your actions or because your actions can influence your loved one's and impact their symptoms, avoid responding angrily. Instead, respond with patience and understanding. I feel like that's a mouthful. It's a huge expectation. I can't promise anybody to do that. Not every time. But it definitely is something that you should consider. 14. Convey hope. Inform your loved one or inform your loved one that with continued treatment or recovery, Leading a satisfactory life in the community despite the illness is possible. And 15, get political. The article encourages families to get involved in the political process of improving the mental health system since this affects families and loved ones. In Trinidad and Tobago, mental health or mental illness is still, or the, the focus on it is still relatively new. We don't quite give credence to the fact that there are people who are mentally ill, going through things, you know, addictions, whatever the case is. A lot of things we see as normal or regular, things that we, we don't quite accept or allow, or rather things we quite allow to happen and don't take it seriously. All that to say, we have to lobby for 
the right support that has to happen. You know, we can't just say to companies anymore, hey, you have an EAP program and that's it. We have to be able to see the cues and encourage, lovingly encourage people to get help. Because the other side to that is people falling prey to their illnesses and taking others with them. And that's certainly not the life that I want to live. It's certainly not what I want for the people I love. So, I want to encourage everybody today who would have listened, who are dealing with people who have mental illnesses, who are dealing with friends with addictions, who are dealing with people who seem to be withering and wasting away. Talk to your friends, love your friends, encourage your friends, stand by your friends, help them to do better because they can do better because you want them to do better because we all have so much to live for. Today's topic was a little heavy, but sometimes we need it. Sometimes we need it just to be able to get by. And so I hope you guys take whatever information you have from here and um, are able to use it. Personally, that was a lot for me because it's very difficult to remain unbiased when you are faced with a situation where you feel like you want to lose it. (laughs) Because when talking about mental illness, um, I definitely do think of that ex a lot because that's been my experience, you know. I worry about how it affects my son and how it affects us um, as a family. And for most days, most days I'm like, I don't give a shit. But the reality is I do. Because I don't want it to negatively affect my child. And it's difficult because a single parent I don't have the support in that area but you know we live to see another day and so I want you guys to have a fantastic week this week I really um, I saw bookstores are opening which is good Um, hardwares are opened a little bit again good art supply store interesting okay <laughs> they're opening too good maybe we can use some of those stores to find techniques to help us um, all cope better I really would like us to just go uh, pretty languishing but there's only so much of that we can do right I want you guys to just look forward to all the great things that this week has to offer to feel the love and the happiness in the air 
pluck it out from wherever you see it appearing because it's there oh and freetown collective has a new song cassandra that i absolutely love lord is a vibe and it really really picked up some parts of my weekend listen to it it's so good it's streaming everywhere and enjoy it you know um gosh women especially it just talks about our greatness feel it embrace it enjoy it have a fantastic week my people and uh, i'll see you next week bye